0: If I could share five steps with you that would help you to be present and more productive both professionally and personally every single day, I know that you'd be interested in them. And today's guest is going to bring us exactly that, how to be more present and productive. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 211. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stehoviak. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And this weekly show will give you access to the best thinkers, resources, and actions to develop your leadership skills. And I am so glad that you have tuned in for another episode, or maybe have tuned in for the first time. And if you have listened for some time, you know that I'm a big fan of things that help make leadership more simple for us. Not necessarily easy, but but models that will help us to capture leadership in a simple way and also will help us to practically be more present with people and more productive in our work. And I'm really looking forward to today's conversation because I know that our guest is going to really provide us with a model that will help us not only be more present and productive, but also help us to frame our interactions with others in our work in a way that I think is just really a neat model. And my guest today is Jeremy Kubicek. He is the co-founder of Giant Worldwide and the Giant Companies. He is a best-selling author of Making Your Leadership Come Alive and is a speaker to organizations throughout the world on transformational leadership, emotional intelligence, and personal growth. And Jeremy is the author, along with Steve Cochran, of the new book, Five Gears, How to Be Present and Productive When There is Never Enough Time. Jeremy, that sounds exactly like my situation. Is there just never seems to be enough time during the day. Is that true for you too?
1: Oh, it's exactly what it's about. The same issues that that uh, you have, I have, we all do. Busy adults. Uh, and so what we've tried to do is create something that might actually change the way that people view work-life balance and, and how to actually be productive, how to connect with people, how to become emotionally intelligent.
0: Well, and that's what I love about this model. And I mentioned to you before we even started recording today that I've been thinking about this ever since you introduced me to the model a few weeks ago. Because it just makes sense to me. And the model is built around five gears. And so we're going to get into that here in a moment. But you know, I'm thinking about driving. And I was thinking, uh, Jeremy, back to when uh, an old friend of mine tried to teach me how to drive stick shift years ago. Um, let's just say it didn't go very well, and I've never <laughs> driven since then. Um, but I remember learning a couple of lessons during that experience, uh, in addition to possibly causing damage to a vehicle. Um, <laughs> the, the two lessons I learned was uh, you have to hit all the gears, so you can't skip one; that's not going to work. And the other thing that I learned is it really is a lot harder than it looks. That it takes a lot of practice and coaching from someone who knows what they're doing to get good at changing the gears. And as I was thinking about both of those lessons from that experience, I was thinking about this model and thinking like how much that relates to what you're teaching, doesn't it?
1: Absolutely. You know, it it came down to when you think about a person, if you watch someone who's really, really gifted, they're productive, they're doing great work, but they all of a sudden can shift into social mode and connect with people in a way that is almost just transparent then they go into recharging and then they can connect one to one with a person. When you look at someone like that, a lot of people are kind of, you know, look in disgust because they're either jealous or they're like, how does that person do that? But there are certain people who have actually become automatic in emotional intelligence and in social connectivity and other people who are still uh, manual and they're stuck in one or two gears. And like you said before, we need all of the gears. So the, the metaphor was basically, how do you how do you take a manual stick shift? How do you learn to drive it? And then how do you become automatic in it over time? Oh, nice. I like that.
0: Okay, So let's look at each of these gears uh, and we'll get into the, the details of what's the strategy yeah. for that. But I think maybe it'd be helpful to uh, describe to the gears. Yeah. What are yeah. the five gears and how does that relate to our work and leading effectively?
1: Yeah. So that it's really simple. It's a sign language. Okay, so when I tell you these, and when, when you hear this, all of you who are listening, you'll have a sign language that you can use in your family, in your team, with yourself. Okay, so fifth gear is uh, when you're in the focus mode, it's when you're in the zone. So fifth gear is focus. You're, you're working on a project. Uh, Dave, if you're working on a project and all of a sudden someone goes, Dave, Dave, and they have to yell two or three times, you know that you were in fifth gear. You were just in the zone, you were in the flow, it was coming, it was pretty easy. Uh, usually it's by yourself in fifth gear when you're in focus it could be your uh, hobby that you have uh, garden uh, project expense reports something that requires either a lot of attention or you're excited about fourth gear is multitasking so it's task mode and uh, real so- quick
0: on fifth gear so that's that's kind of like um, what uh, chick sent me high's work calls flow I believe of you just you get in that moment and you Um, I, I almost like to think of this when you just lose track of time, um, where you spend hours, hours working on something, you look up and you're like, oh wow, did three hours just go by? Like I was so focused and, and actually also enjoying what I was doing. Like I felt really connected to my work.
1: Uh, Absolutely. And it goes both ways. Uh, I have to do expense reports. Sometimes I hate doing expense reports, but I need to get them done. So I have to focus to get them done or I'll, or I'll get distracted and won't do them. So it, it it's both and. It can be focused. You can be in fifth gear where you're focused and your fifth gear where you, you have to do certain things.
0: Oh, got it. So isn't, isn't just necessarily something that you're loving and into? It's something where maybe you just need to focus and zero in on exactly that thing. Right. Good, because good. Because okay, I'm glad you made done. that distinction. Cool.
1: Fourth gear is task mode. So it's um, emails, phone calls, to-do lists, it's interruptions, it's meetings. It's what most of our days look like. If you think of anyone in an office setting, that's what most of the days are like, where you're, you're getting things done, you go home at night and thinking, you know, did I accomplish much today? And you, you did, but it was kind of a roundabout, spinning plates, uh, so on and so forth.
0: Yeah, you just described my day so far, actually, as I thought about that, of a, a lot of responding to emails, phone calls, appointments, those kinds of things. And that is, that's most days for me, too.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And if you can get to fifth gear in that day, then great. But again, most of it is fourth gear. Um, and third gear is social mode. This is the gear that, that is really needed. It's the gear where you're on the golf course with clients. You are um, maybe at a, uh, you, you go to a pub with friends after work. You, um, you're you hanging out with people during the lunch hour, but you're talking about things here that are more like, uh, hey, how was your weekend? How are your kids? Uh, what vacations have you gone on? What's the sports weather? It's Chit-chat, it's more superficial. It's that type of, of conversation. Kind of the and,
0: social relationship building parts of our work or 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 interactions with friends and family. Right.
1: Not. Th- th- it's not very deep. It's not meant to be deep. There's a time and place for it. Uh, a lot of people struggle with this one. And we'll get into that in a minute uh, because they either think it's uh, a waste of time mm-hmm. or they're just not very good at it and so they usually um, try to ignore third gear. Second gear is the gear, and by the way, when you're in third gear, you can go up and talk fourth gear work for a little bit if you're with colleagues, but it usually shifts back down into third gear. Uh, or sometimes in third gear, you can go into second gear and you find one person in the corner and you just talk to that one person and you, you bonded with them. You got to know them, you liked them, and you have a new friend that came from a dinner party or a barbecue or such. And so second gear is... is that it is connecting, it's one to one connection, it's um, a date night, time with kids, a good friend over coffee. Uh, you're going deeper and talking about things that are much, much deeper than just the traditional, um, uh, you know, third gear type conversation. And then, first gear, first gear is recharge. So, recharge is really important, um, it's how you recharge. So each of us recharge differently. I found it's really simple. If you're an introvert, you're going to recharge differently, usually by time alone. Uh, you're going to be reading. You're going to be working out. You'll do certain projects that maybe recharge you. Versus if you're an extrovert, and an extrovert is going to be much more focused on doing things with other people, maybe going to movies, uh, recharging with uh, with people. Uh, I'm an extrovert, so it's really hard for me to recharge because I'm. Uh, it's harder for me. My my wife. She has just time alone and she can go recharge in two or three hours. I might recharge in 20 minutes just by a conversation I've had with someone.
0: Got it. Got it. Okay. So that all makes sense. And uh, something you said a minute ago actually makes me feel a lot better because I was th- as I was listening to you articulate the model, Jeremy, I was thinking third gear is kind of a struggle for me. And I, I think where the struggle comes from for me and from others that I um, that I've coached and worked with too is that I think a lot of times third gear does seem... Superficial to a lot of us, and we almost feel like, wow, you know, if I'm not going to really have a deep conversation with someone, I don't want to just have the, um, I don't want to just have the small talk with people, and 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 a lot of us really struggle with kind of engaging in that way. And yet, you point out that that's really important. Tell me more about that, and why is it important? First of all, and then what can we do to bridge that gap for those of us who struggle with it?
1: Yeah, I I even make. The case. I go so far as to say that all business happens in third gear. So hmm. if you think about it, um, what takes place in third gear is people want. They know that you they, they might know that you're competent, but they want to know do they like you or not. It's almost like um, uh, this sounds a little bit trite, but sniffing one another out. You're you're basically getting to the point of going. Is there a chemistry here? Do I like you? Do I trust you? Do I want to be around you more? And that's what third gear is. It's almost like um, a, a conversation. You know, there's a lot of people I'm around in third gear, and I'm like, I'm so glad I got to hang out with them because I don't want to hang out with them anymore than that. <laughs> right. And, but I might have had a different opinion. But the third gear space allows me to try on relationships without committing.
0: Interesting. Interesting. So Great a lot of people
1: will have a hard time because they they want to uh, they want to go right into second gear. They want to go deeper with someone, but the other person might not be ready. So it's almost like dancing a little bit or courting. It sounds uh, funny, but it's almost getting around someone to to know if you like them or not, if you want to go deeper. But being social matters, and um, it's really, really important. And what I teach is I teach people to learn how to be curious. So, uh, uh, one way about doing that is learning how to be interested before being interesting Mm. And so, if you, if you have a hard time with third gear, then you, you want to shift into neutral when you go into third gear. So, you're not thinking about anything. You're thinking about the person. And so, I always ask questions like, hey, so tell me, where, where's your hometown? Where are you from? Yeah. And, and when I find it out, I'll ask them a, a corresponding question of, tell me the most interesting thing that's happened from your, your hometown. And inevitably, I'll hear these crazy stories and it's funny or I'll know somebody or there'll be some way to connect. And then I'll use that as kind of a platform to build the conversation off of. Like, or if there's nothing there, I'll move on to the next person. Go ahead. Sorry.
0: Oh, no, it's uh, it's like Dale Carnegie said a hundred years ago, be genuinely interested in other people. And if you can do that, then you open up the the doors for that connection. And, you know, it, uh, uh, Bob Berg was on the show earlier this year, the author of The Go-Giver. And, you know, his one of his phrases is people do business with those that they know, like, and trust. And I think a lot of times it's, it's, it's easy for us to forget that sometimes, even for those of us who don't think, first of all, to, like, to have that social time and to invest in that, is that it's, it's an obstacle if we don't spend the time to do that, because we don't open the opportunities to give people the chance to interact with us.
1: Absolutely. And I've also found that, that there are idea people, and then there are people, places, and things people. So, and it's usually future orientation versus present orientation. So for oh, me, interesting. I, Tell me more. I'm a I'm an idea guy. So I'm always thinking, I, I you know, I've started, I don't know, 17, 18 businesses. And so I'm always creating things and starting things with people and have these partnerships and I do some strange things that I've just gotten involved in because I'm an entrepreneur and that's the way I built uh, my world. Well, I'm always interested in, in ideas, but peop because I'm nice and I'm a feeler, people think I'm interested and people, places, and things, which is usually like vacations, kids, and Aunt Velma, or whatever. <laughs> right. And and I'm really not, I'm not interested in them. And I, I find that the the bigger the town, the more there's idea people, the smaller the town, the more that there's people, places, and things people. And oh, interesting. It is. It's fascinating when you start looking at it, because most, uh, most future-oriented people are attracted to the future. And that's why. And I've lived in Atlanta. I've lived in London. I lived in Moscow um, years ago. But I was always uh, drawn to, um, to to ideas, and that's another thing just to be uh, mindful of as you think about your influence and how to increase your influence.
0: I love that tip because that's a great way for those of us who, who this isn't our comfort zone, which I think is a lot of us, this third gear, the social piece of how to navigate that. Um, And, and just if we do run into someone like you, Jeremy, who's, who's kind of an idea person, what are, what's a good question to ask you that would get you excited about talking and revealing more about who you are and what motivates you?
1: Yeah, it's really simple. And, 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 to your point, it's really great to think about are they a future-minded or present-minded because you can shift it. If I'm talking to a future-minded person, I'm thinking, um, hey, so what are you most excited about right now? It's a great question. It always opens up. What are you working on that you're just fired up about? Mm. Uh, and so it, that's a 20-minute conversation you know, because you're asking questions, you're being interested. And then they usually, usually reciprocate okay, what about you? What are you excited about? So it's, you know, it's good to have an answer as well, or, but, but the, you've got 15 to 20 minutes before you get to that point. Um, so it's, it's important. to uh, Third gear is important. And if you don't do third gear well, what will happen is you'll usually get stuck in fourth and fifth gear or you'll be a hermit in first gear, just com- constantly recharging all the time. Yeah. People, people stop inviting you to things. And when they stop inviting you, there's, there's less opportunities that come your way. So well, you begin to isolate yourself.
0: Well, that's interesting too, because you, and you said this earlier that a lot of us do find ourselves, especially in fourth gear and kind of hanging out there a lot. And I certainly resonate with that too. Um, and so one of the things, the reminders for us is to, you know, downshift, uh, to, to use the terminology into third gear. What else have you found as you've presented this model? And, and in fact, I've noticed a couple of comments on your website of people who've, you know, gotten out of that habit of just always defaulting to fourth gear, what have you found that works for people to start to look at this a little more holistically of where they spend their time?
1: So to would be really practically, I had to trick my mind. I had to actually create markers and trigger points along the way because I couldn't shift naturally. Um, so for me, I had to actually, I'm addicted to fourth gear. Fourth gear is the one I'm in constantly. Yeah, I've me too. Got, a lot, I got a lot of emails, a lot of texts, a lot of conversations going. And fifth gear is really hard for me because I'm an extrovert. So I'm a 4-3-2 guy. I like those gears the most. 1 and 5 are the hardest. And I've, I've found that 1 and 5, by the way, are more the introvert gears. And 2, 3, and 4 are more extrovert gears. Mm, but interesting. what's interesting of what I've done is I had to trick myself by creating markers. So I created a, tr- a quick trip uh, gas station as my marker in Atlanta when I lived there. And it was 2 miles from my house. And whenever, uh, which is about 10 minutes in Atlanta traffic, but what would happen was I actually um, would turn my phone off. I'd get off the phone there, and I'd start thinking intentionally about my evening. I've just found that most leadership is uh, accidental. People don't think, just like most parenting is accidental. So to live an intentional lifestyle is actually having a trigger to stop and go, what are we doing tonight? What, how do I want to feel tomorrow morning? What are we trying to accomplish here tonight? And you know, I put some ideas and thoughts into it. So, if we had a third gear social night, I'm thinking about who we're meeting with. If it's a second gear connect with the family, so that was one way that I did it. Um, the second thing I've done is I've used the gears as a sign language. So, with our family, we actually, um, if if I'm in, we agree to what gear we should be in and what period of time we're in. So, between six thirty and eight thirty, it's usually second or third gear time. We just kind of know that. Oh, and interesting. Then at, after about 9 o'clock, I go back into fourth gear for about 30 minutes to finish any emails or projects or things I'm working on. And then I'm back into a first or second rest, recharge, connect at that point in time. So we've ordered our incomplete days around the gears. So then what happens is we can keep doing sign language to one another. So if I'm in the wrong gear at the wrong time, which is why most people have issues, they, they're they in fourth or fifth gear when they should be in third gear. My wife can hold up three fingers and I go, oh, you're absolutely right. What am I doing? And I put my phone away. I was in the wrong gear at the wrong time.
0: Oh, but so when you say sign language, you literally mean you, like your family and colleagues using sign language in order to communicate that to each other.
1: Yeah. I'm just holding up the fingers, three fingers, two fingers. One, you know, so an example, we have a managing partner, Mike Opital. He's great. He's always in fourth gear as well. He was coming to see me and I was in a third gear setting. I've got a drink in my hand. I'm talking to somebody. When he comes in, he immediately starts in fourth gear mode of to-do list. Hey, Jeremy, I've got this and I want to talk to you about this and can't wait to talk about And I look at him and I go, Mike. And I held up three fingers. That's all I had to say. He immediately shifts and he goes, right, right, right. Hey, how you doing? And he shifted <laughs> nice. gears into third gear. I didn't have to have a subjective conversation that was full of drama and emotion. And like, Mike, you always, every time... Instead, I just hold up three fingers.
0: Oh, neat, neat. That's cool. And so how did you, I mean, you've built this model, so you've obviously thought through it more than probably a lot of people would who would read the book. And so how did you get to that point with your family and with your colleagues where you all were having that shared language? Um, What did you do to get to that point?
1: Well, at first, it all came out of our own uh, failure uh, to connect. And I was, my business partner, Steve Cochran, who's British, who co-wrote the book with me, he and I were trying to figure out one, one another. And like, why does he do this? and Why do I do this? And so we needed a metaphor to explain it. And when we got, when I figured out the gears, it was actually me learning how to drive again in England with a left-handed stick shift that actually caused me to, to think about the metaphor going, you know, at times... You know, everyone wants you to be in second gear, but you stay in fourth or fifth gear. Mm. So, and then that caused that started the metaphor. Well, then we started doing it with our team and our family and we all started using the language and we found that, you know, we've got 70 something team members and they all started using it and they all started like loving it. We're like, you know, there's something here. <laughs> so, yeah. we just kept on with it and we started realizing it's this kind of um, common language with a visual metaphor that actually helps people adjust. Because when I hold up a finger, you know there's is, there is a negative finger you could hold up. But when I hold up the, a normal finger, like a two fingers or a three, if I held up to you, Dave, and I go, Dave, and I look at you and we have a three, and you realize you're in fifth, what it does is that you then have a chance to adjust. Mm-hmm. I'm not telling you that you're a horrible person. I'm just simply saying, hey, look around, we're all in third. You're still in fifth. And you go, oh, I did it again. Okay, absolutely. So, it's teaching you to downshift. It's a way to build culture. And actually, um, you know, the, the issues that we have in our cultures, one of the biggest issues is social connect- disconnectivity. And that's where divorce comes from. That's where disconnection with kids comes from. That's where animosity comes from with, in friendships or, or people. Mainly because one person is expecting something and they get unmet expectations. When unmet expectations lead to bitterness? For
0: sure, for sure.
1: So and- if you're ex- if you're expecting me to be in second gear, but I'm coming and, and we you had a hey let's do coffee and that's usually a second gear conversation and I come and bring my phone, my phone's come- going off and I'm not looking at you. I'm looking down at my phone and then at you, then down at my phone, and then at you. You're, you're creating, I've created bitterness with you and I have no idea I'm doing that. Mm. I'm just in the wrong gear at the wrong time. And I missed out on the bonding that could have happened over coffee.
0: I suspect that it, this answer is different for everyone. And you've hit on this a little bit, which is uh, how do you find the right balance? And part of that is getting feedback from others. And also, uh, You've got, you were able to figure out some of those. I, I loved like the visual marker of, of passing the gas station and then like reminding yourself, okay, that's the point I need to get to second gear. How do you start thinking about what's the right balance for you and for your work and for your family and your relationships of where
1: well, do people the start? First, the first thing I do is I would say, one, you have to admit that you need all the gears. And most um, adult men, for instance, go, eh, I don't really need social, Who need, I don't really need friends. I was with one yesterday, I was speaking at a pharmaceutical company, and this guy goes, you know, I, don't, I just realized I don't really need anybody, and, and a third gear is just a complete waste of time. Well, later on in the conversation, I realized he was divorced, and he was estranged from two of his four kids. Mm. And I'm like, okay, there's something bigger here, right? That's not healthy. You're rationalizing right now, it's not actually good. So, uh, you, you have to realize you need all the gears. I need first gear recharge. I really do. I need to connect with my wife and my kids. It's important. I need to connect with other people. I need third gear social space. So, that's one. Second is if you can teach it to your family and teach it to your team, it's a game changer. Everyone loves this language and they start using it. And, and this might be a, a stretch here, but I've been told this by a number of people. I said, Jeremy, did you, you know, I think in five to ten years... Most people will be using the five years language to help talk about work-life balance because it's much easier. It's a simple uh, you know, way to, to have the conversation. And I think it's right. And, and I didn't, we didn't plan that. It just kind of happened. But, but what's happening is when, when your wife holds up two fingers, you just communicated. She's just communicated to you. Or, or if you to your kids go, guys, let's go. And you hold up four fingers and they know that's chore time. Then you're—it's like calling plays. So you start helping each other adapt. And the third thing to, to your thir- third answer to your question is: take your calendar and actually together with your spouse or friend or whomever uh, or, or your family actually decide what gears you should be in in those periods of time. Mm. So so if it's the dinner hours, okay, what what are we going to agree that this is generally? We, we might have a third gear night as we have friends over, we might have a second gear time, just family. So set the rules, be intentional. And what you're doing then is you're kind of giving yourself all of yourself boundaries to know, hey, my wife needs this to be fourth gear time, I need this to be fourth gear time, she needs second gear here, I need it here. So you agree on it together and when you do, it is a game changer. It just people start flowing and moving and they start responding. So our kids now, when, we, when I hold up the two sign, there's no issue with technology anymore. It's like, yeah, you're right. I'm in the wrong gear if I'm in social. If I'm in social media, and third gear, if I'm in work mode, that's not appropriate. We've agreed this is our time to connect.
0: And one of the things I really love about this, and I, didn't, I don't think I realized it, and I heard you just say that, is that it gives you permission to not have to be great at everything in every moment. And I think that that for me is a big struggle. It's like, I, you know, someone comes over to the house and I feel like, okay, you know, I want to be social at the same time. I want to make a really deep connection with them and try to relax. (laughs) All the things that, all the things that I think a lot of us who are like that type, a, you know, very driven personality, like we want to do everything well. And what I, what I really, what's really resonating for me out of this conversation is, is okay. It's okay just to be social, And to not necessarily have to have that deep conversation in this moment, and just to be there and to just be friendly with people and to have a connection, but to not worry about the rest of them and to know later that there will be time to do those things.
1: Absolutely. I used to put so much pressure on people because I was so intense because I loved second gear. I loved third gear, but I I was always driving people to go deeper. I wanna know about you, I wanna know about
0: you. And that
1: pressure that I was putting on people, I was actually uh, undermining my influence.
0: Uh, so, as yeah. coaches, can be annoying that way, can't we?
1: <laughs> <Totally>.
0: <laughs> I've had a few people over time, like you know, like I talked to this coach, and they were like really intense at this party of asking me really personal questions.
1: Yeah, and in and, and what's so fascinating is that most people don't understand that they're running people away or running over people. Yeah, and yeah. when you get into this and you start understanding, you, it starts to kind of take over your mind a little bit and go, okay. Okay, he's totally in fourth gear. Look at this—we're in a third gear setting, and this guy is in total fourth gear. And you—you start analyzing people, and you can kind of watch it happen and play out. Mm -hmm. And and so then, or then you see a person who's deeply in need of first gear recharge, but won't take the time to do it. And you know, so it's it's great for coaching. It's great for coaches. It's great for teams. We have some teams of people. There's not really, in, in. think about it, most work is fourth gear. There's not really a place for fifth gear because um, people feel like you're, hey, we have an open door policy. Why are you closing the door? Well, because I need to get something done. Right. And, you know, it's like fifth gear is great. So if you learn how to do it in the team or if you're an introvert and go, hey, guys, I need some first gear recharge. I'm just going to go on a walk over lunch. Well, in some, certain cultures, that's weird. And people don't understand, uh, especially if it's an extrovert culture. So um, it gives people grace to be able to be themselves and also communicate in a way that's without drama. Um, hey, guys, I just need some one time. Great, man! You're better when you recharge than when you're not. Go for it.
0: Mm. You know, I I love it, and I've been thinking about. Um, I have a colleague that I'm working with now. We're working very closely together. I've known him for years, but we've just started working closely together over the last couple of months. And I've been trying to think, he's just masterful with people. And I've been trying to think like, what is it that he does that's so good? And this is exactly it. He's really on fully automatic most of the time, masterful at being able to move between these gears in different situations. And it's really impressive. And boy, is it noticeable. Um, and so it's, it's really interesting to me, like how we can get better at doing this. And so um, One thing I'm I'm curious about too is as you've worked with people and is and by the way the book's gotten a bunch of traction so I hope people uh, check it out but and, and as you've gotten feedback from people who've really made this work what is it that the people who've really made this model work what have they done that you've seen is so effective and they've taught you guys about how this model works,
1: um, you know what's what's interesting is when I watch people like you said your colleague when when they're automatic um what I appreciate in them is that they are intentional. And I think that's the biggest word, two words, actually, intentional and consistent. And if you think about the art of leadership, great leadership, in my opinion, is someone who learns how to support and challenge people, but they're consistent with people. And that means that you're usually secure, they're confident, they're not trying to prove themselves, they're humble in nature, usually. And it's really rare to find because most of us strive, we scurry, we try to do certain things in order to promote our agenda or things that we want to accomplish. So, what I found is just simply um, the best leaders are people who kind of take a life in stride. They're getting things done. Uh, They're secure. They know how to work with people. They know how to get the most out of people. But they also have learned this art and science of being present and being productive. Mm. And you can do them both. You really can. And uh, I know I get, when I get overworked in one, um, how it affects the other. And, you know, there are certain people you can become so present that you're never productive or so productive, never present. And so that's why I've just said that work-life balance is not about time management. Work-life balance is about mindset. And when you understand what gear you should naturally be in and you shift there automatically, then you know you're onto something. And you'll kind of watch your respect go up, your influence go up in a significant way.
0: Well, I think you guys are definitely onto something with the model. And if it is resonating for you and the way it's resonating for me, I really encourage you to check out the book. And Jeremy, for those who are interested in learning more and who are thinking that this is really sounding like a model that could work for them, uh, what's the best way for them to track down more information or connect with you guys online?
1: Yeah, there's two things. Uh, it's real simple, fivegears.com. It's got information, the book, so on and so forth. There's a master class if people are interested. It's called the fivegears.com slash join. And we actually go deeper in this if they want to uh, go deeper than – we have 40 videos that, that talk about this. But it's really simple. Um, it, but when I say simple, it's really deep at the same time. And people that are going through it, we're getting so many comments of people of like, you know, I, I first heard it and thought, yeah, I got that. And then when I got into it, we're like, oh, my goodness, because we're now – adopting we're having people look at every circle of influence and go okay what about yourself what about your family your team your organization and your community it's a it's a game changer if you'll actually put it into your water stream of your culture of your family or team and kind of see what what happens so i encourage people to to export it and use it and try it
0: awesome well i really appreciate jeremy you taking the time to introduce the model with us I, uh, I know it's definitely gotten me thinking in a, in a very simple way of how to organize my day and my time and my week. And I hope others will uh, check it out as well. So uh, thanks a ton for, for bringing this to us and taking the time to walk us through some of the
1: nuances of it too. Dave, thank you. I sure appreciate all you're doing and I love your podcast. Appreciate it.
0: Jeremy Kubicek is the author of Five Gears, How to Be Present and Productive When There is Never Enough Time. Thanks, Jeremy. Thanks again to Jeremy for this model. It's definitely gotten me thinking a lot of just how to integrate this and be more automatic, as he says, in personal and professional situations. And uh, Bonnie and I are actually putting together our family's mission statement right now. And we've been, uh, well, it, Bonnie's worked on it for a bit and I've been <laughs> been uh, dragging my feet on it, not intentionally, just been there's a lot going on. And so, uh, but anyway, I've been thinking about this in the context of uh, us finishing that up. And just how this integrates as well, too, and thinking about keeping things really well balanced and having good expectations around all that. And I think it's a really helpful model, both professionally and personally. So I hope that you find it uh, that way as well, too. All the show notes are at coachingforleaders.com 211. And speaking of episode numbers, episode 212, next week is our monthly Q&A show, the first Monday of the month. We always... Uh, sit down and tackle questions that have come in over the last month. Uh, that's Bonnie and I. So watch for that next week. And if you have a question, comment, or piece of feedback you would like us to consider for that show, just go over to coachingforleaders.com slash feedback. That's the best way to do it. And you can submit your question there. And if you do it by audio, uh, you can uh, just do it right there your computer or mobile device. And you can even listen to it before you submit it and hit send. So uh, check that out again, coachingforleaders.com slash feedback. And if you're not already subscribed to the show, it's your first or second time listening, maybe I hope you will subscribe. New episodes come every Monday and the show's on iTunes, Stitcher, whatever podcast app you're listening to this on. And one final request is to join the weekly leadership guide. I write that every Wednesday. Uh, well, sometimes I actually do write it on Wednesday mornings, uh, but I actually try to write it beforehand, but it'll come to your inbox on Wednesdays, and it includes my thoughts and recommendations on the best articles, podcasts, videos, books, and usually zero in on one theme each week that will help you with resources between the shows. And it also includes all of the links to the show notes from every episode. So if you listen on the go like I do, it will be helpful to you in going back and revisiting information that you've heard on the show that hopefully will be valuable to you. And when you join the weekly leadership guide, you'll get access to my list of the 10 leadership books that I think will help you get better results from others. And it includes summaries for me on the value of each one of those books. You can download that 11-page reader's guide and nine-minute video just by going to coachingforleaders.com slash subscribe. And if you do that, that'll also get you to the leadership guide every Wednesday. And also a big thank you this week to to, two folks, uh, Katie Helan, Katie, thank you so much for the kind review on iTunes. And also thank you to Tom Henschel. Hey, Tom. Good to hear from you as always. Thank you also for the kind review on iTunes. Uh, If you haven't listened to Tom's show, it's The Look and Sound of Leadership. It has been going 10 plus years. He airs it monthly. It's, uh, it's It's 12 or 13 minutes every month fabulous companion to this show. I certainly would encourage you to check it out. The look and sound of leadership. And Tom's been on this show many times and hope to have him back again soon. So thanks again, Tom. And by the way, if you'd like to post a review as well, it's a huge help to grow this community. Go to coachingforleaders.com iTunes. If you use iTunes, if you use Stitcher, coachingforleaders.com Stitcher and see you next week for the Q&A show.